Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Now I want to invite you to open your Bible to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand for just a few moments as I read to you the text of the morning. I am optimistic enough to believe that most of us want our life to make a difference in this world. I believe that most of us want our life to be used by the Lord to do something in this world that will meet the needs of this world. I am convinced that if your dreams have been shattered, they can be restored. I'm convinced if you feel hopeless and helpless, you can feel alive and alert and ready for your dreams to be fulfilled. So I want you to listen today to a story that is one of the most familiar parables of the scripture. And I want you to listen in a very close way if you or one of your children went to vacation Bible school this year and had that wonderful week at Bible school or maybe it was camp. Maybe it was effect. You were there for a few days and you met some new friends, you thought about some things you hadn't thought about in a while, you kind of got out of your routine. And maybe that thought came into your mind, is there any purpose for me even being here? Is there something out there worth living for? If so, what is it? And it's so exciting to read a story out of the scripture that every one of us can identify with at some point in time in our life. And I want you to please stay alert to the Holy Spirit speaking to you. God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life. I want you to discover it or rediscover it this morning. So would you stand as I read to you from the sixth chapter of John. The sixth chapter of of John. In just a moment, we're going to go to the fifth verse and be on the screen, but let me read to you the, quickly the short verses that precede it. For those that might not be real familiar with this story, listen to this. <clears throat> After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain. He sat there with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. Now, follow closely. Here's the story. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip's, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, 
that every one of them may take a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above them that had eaten. And then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. May God bless the reading of his word. Would you be seated? Think with me for a moment about making life count. I wonder if you can join in a little quiz I have given some of our staff and some other folks that are friends of mine this week. What's your earliest memory in life? We had a little fun trying to think about what is the first thing you can remember after you were born that uh, you could take it back. Now the record so far is age two. Uh, mine goes to age four. I didn't remember a thing until I was four years old. But I don't know where yours is, but I want you to think about it just a moment. If you're a girl, I want you to think about when you were growing up as a little girl. Did you ever do things like shut the door so nobody could see you and you found you a little mirror and you could kind of dance in front of that mirror or put on a song or whatever or you would dress up a little doll and you would visualize one day I may have a little baby and so forth. And how about you guys? Did you ever get your ball glove or fishing pole or uh, football and start dreaming? One of these days, I'm going to win the Heisman Trophy. One of these days, I'm going to be playing for the New York Yankees uh, or whatever. We come into this world, we start dreaming young. People start asking you the question when you're a child, well, what are you going to be when you grow up? Do you remember what you used to tell them? You know, boys, there's a lot of firemen. The world will be covered with firemen and policemen if we all were that. And I wanted to be a game warden. And uh, so I wouldn't arrest myself if I caught too many fish, I guess. I don't know what the deal was there. But then I remember, then I wanted to be a banker. I had a hero growing up who was a banker and with a law degree because I had another hero that was a lawyer. So I was going to put them both together, and I was going to be a banker with a law degree. But I know you had some memories. I remember as you, and I want you to think, your life. Now, don't think about the person next to you, about your life. Was there a time when you had a dream when I grow up this is what I want to be but now you would be honest privately honest with yourself my dreams have been shattered I don't know what happened I planned to be a doctor but maybe you dropped out of school when you were in the eighth grade I wanted to be an athlete but you were too lazy to practice you made a decision I'll just quit, and when the bonus time comes, I'll just go get an agent and sign up, and it just didn't work out that way. The talent scout never came by to put you on the stage. Maybe you find yourself today in a, just a big mess. 
you know, my health is giving me trouble, my finances are in uh, muck, my relationships are not good. The question is, what happened to your dreams? Because you see, God has a plan for every life. He has something that he put you here to do, and once you find that, then good, good things can happen. The marriage that didn't go right, the graduation that didn't come, the job that you never got, or the promotion you still haven't received. Put that aside a moment. This is the first day of the rest of your life. This is not a motivational sermon. It's a biblical sermon. I want you to look at a story. I want you to try to identify with a situation. If you have fallen, you can get back up. If you have started down the wrong road, you can pick up a road map and a spiritual GPS, and you can find your way back to where you need to be. God's plan is one of the core values of our church. Everybody matters. You matter to God. Did you know that you matter to God? Now, too many of us spend our time wanting to impress other people, and God says, well, what about me? I want to guide you and lead you and... and do all those things that he has put in his word. Everybody matters. He planned your life before you were ever born. He has set you up. And maybe while you were at camp. And you were among a whole lot of people. But there were those quiet times when you got to thinking. Wow, what would life be like if what I've enjoyed doing in the past few days could be the rest of my life. What would that be like? Now, there's always going to be the unknown in the future for all of us. None of us know what another day is going to bring. You will never live in a world of certainties. You'll never be able to prove very many things. The Bible says three times, three times the just shall live by faith. It says that in Romans 1:17, Galatians 2:11, in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. The just shall live by faith. You can put yourself to the test. You say I love my mother and daddy, prove it. Well, I just I just know I do cuz I've told them all of my life and they've taken care of me and so forth. Uh, or you say my parents love me. Prove it. Well, they, uh, they gave me money all the time I asked them, and I, I obeyed them most of the time, but can you prove it? No. I question how much if you can prove. You can say, you, I just can prove there is no God. You can't prove there's not a God. I can't prove there is a God. Well, what's going to separate? How are we going to come to a conclusion? Faith. Faith. If we don't live by faith and say, you're just going to have to prove to me that I'm, I'm important. You're going to have to show me. Well, there's, there's another option. You know what faith is? Faith is dreaming God's dreams for you. If God said, everything I make is good, then you're good because 
God created man in his own image. Now, God says you are. It doesn't matter what your friends say. It doesn't matter what your, your family says. It doesn't matter what society says. You matter to God. And our faith is what makes us uniquely Christian, if you are a Christian. We choose by faith to follow the Lord because the evidence shows that those that follow the Lord seem to have more spring in their step and smile on their face and joy in their heart and contentment in day-to-day -day living. And they seem to just look at things different from most of the world. What do you want to be? Jeremiah said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What do you want to do? God has a plan. What goals would you like to reach? You remember the apostle Paul, he said, I fought a good fight, finished the course, kept the faith. He had made his goals. He said, now I'm ready to be offered. I'm ready to go the next step. The time of my departure is at hand. I'm fixing to go to heaven. I'm fixing to stand before my Lord. As I stand before my Lord, I believe I'm ready. I think I've obeyed as much as in me made it possible. Faith is putting in God's hands who you are. Give him what you have. Then tell him you trust him. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Did you do that at camp, students? Did you do that at Bible school? Did you do that in Bible study this morning? Would you do it right now? Do you want your dreams to come true? Then get back on course. You see, the Lord says, I will forgive you. I will forgive and I will forget. But you've got to come back on course. You're way out there. You're trying to be contemporary. You're trying to be like the culture, and in doing so, you have forsaken me to go after other gods. And as a result, tragic mistakes are made in marriages. Tragic mistakes are made in job selection. Tragic mistakes are made why you go to college or if you go to college. If the dream of a high school senior is, I can't wait to get to college because I'll be away from my parents. Nobody will know me. I can get into some social group and be one of them and be accepted and I'm going to do what they do because I'm going to be a brother or a sister rather than I'm going to get in and try to make an impact for God. The motives are wrong. Marriages are for the wrong reason. Dating is for the wrong reason. But think, God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. I want you to look at this guy. I don't know how old he is. I want you to ask, first of all, the question, how do you ever get to that meeting? Is out there on the mountain? Did his mother and daddy drive him out there? You know, they put him on a donkey and carry him out there. You can stay right here. We'll come back and get you in three days or, you know. And uh, 5,000 people are there. Who were the 5,000? Were they any qualified ones? Oh, you bet there was. It's very interesting who's discovered him. You know who discovered him? Andrew. Andrew was the same guy who discovered and Simon Peter's brother. See, Andrew, that's, he's always bringing people to Jesus. Hey, that's a great way to spend your life, y'all. Not you being the hero, but bringing people to Jesus. 
bringing them to, to Christ. When you hear Tim Tebow's story about his, his mother's decision not to abort him, his decision to walk with God whatever it costs, and then stay the course and let the media just, just lambast you and all your peer group that are out there in the world, but stay the course. Well, he's out there, five loaves, two fish. I don't think they were world record fish if he was able to bring them out there. And now we've got a story of a little kid giving everything he has to the Lord. Let me tell you something about that story that interests me. I'm thinking if I say he's 10 years old, when I was 10 years old, somebody tried to take my lunch, the best they could do is get half of it. I can see from the scripture here, it looks as though this little guy is just saying, you can have it. That's so out of character for a little kid. It's out of character for an adult. God, you can have 10% of my lunch. I'll call that tithing. Lord, you can have one Sunday, one day a week of my time. I'll call that remembering the Sabbath. But now, Lord, don't start talking about that all of me stuff and all that's mine. I can see him holding on and just say, well, I'll make a deal with you. Give me a little bit. You can have the rest. Not what he did. He just said, take it all. Take it all. Well, that's the way God works. For those of you that did not hear the little part of the Sagemont story, the beautiful facility that you're worshiping in today, the first gift that was made of great magnitude and importance was made by a little boy. The first day that this church received the vision to start changing our campus, we didn't know the cross was going to come, but it did. There was a little child, five or six years old, that the night before we met down at the arena, this little guy, at his prayer time, his daddy would give him 10 nickels on Saturday night to teach him how to give God one of your nickels. So on, on the next Sunday morning, he would take a nickel to, to his Sunday school or to Adventureland. That night, that little boy, with un, uh, not pushed by anyone, he said to his father, he said, son, let's pray. He said, dad, before I pray, could I ask you a question? Tomorrow, can I give all my nickels to Jesus? That's what he said. And the dad was shocked, and of course he said, well, sure. That's what he did. Many of you saw that little boy the following Wednesday night when I had him on the platform. That was the first thing that started a $30 million followed 50 cents from a little boy that said, I just want to give everything I have. Don't have much, but I'm going to give that. Isn't that great? Now listen to me. Those of you that dropped out of high school, maybe. Maybe those that have come out of the penitentiary. Maybe those that were raised in homes where you never went to church. Maybe those that made a mess out of your teenage years or college years. Don't quit dreaming. God's not through with you. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. If you will just stop and say, I'm not going to let the devil whip me. I know I'm special because my creator is special. And he is in me. You see, this little guy was in the right place at the right time if God spoke to you as camp as he did to me when I was a, a 15 years old 
If you were at the right place at Effect, if you were at right place in some student ministry program, if you were at the right place in Bible school and God spoke to you, listen, you've got to be in the right place. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for watching on the Internet. Now you're at the right place because God is here. He has been invited here, and he has said, whoever calls on, on me, I will come. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. So as you look at this moment, this is your moment. You can go on like you've been and feel like I can never come back. No, those things can be buried in the bottom of the sea and remembered no more if you'll just stop and say, Dear God, please, please, please take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to you. Being in the right place, the right time, very important. You made a right decision. People tell you, hurricanes are coming. You live on the Gulf Coast. Hurricanes are coming. Oh, if you went through Hurricane Ike, I think it was a Category 2. It's inevitable. There'll be a, uh, a Category 4, Category 5. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Does everybody prepare? You ever been down to Home Depot? About three days before one of those storms and try to find a generator or water at Kroger or whatever? The people pray, no. Not going to have me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Bible says prepare to meet your God. Let me tell you something else. Not only you got to be in the right place, you got to have a right relationship with God. Do you have one? Can you honestly pray, my Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name? Are you in the right relationship? Is there something going on in your life right now? You say, I know I'm living right now in direct disobedience to God's word. But it's going to work out. No, it's not. No, it's not. Not until you say, I'm going to get back in the will of God. If God says this, I know he's got my best interests in at stake. How do you have a right relationship with God? Number one, you have to be born again. You got to be like Nicodemus. He had the world by the tail. He was a big shot in the synagogue. But something was lacking in his life. So he goes to the Lord. He said, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Some of you just need a church home. You know you're born again, but you bought in to the culture that says the, the contemporary church, the modern church is a rank hypocrisy. You don't need to go to church. You can stay out there in the world, have your own little church in your house and just worship God in your own way. The church is the bride of Christ, and you said, I'm going to leave the church out. You need to change that decision and say, that's not going to happen. I need my family. I need to come home and have a great homecoming service. I need to be a part of the church. Some of you need to be baptized. You have never, ever put on the ring, so to speak. That tells the world that I'm married. That tells the world that you are a Christian. You've never gone public. You're the secret service agent of the cause of Christ. He says, no, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Don't be ashamed of me. Put on the whole armor of God. Be baptized, every one of you, because your sins have been remitted. So you've got to be in the right place, have a right relationship with God. Colossians 1.20, listen to this. Boy, if you're struggling today, this ought to really help you. Listen to Colossians 1.20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him, God, to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by your wicked works, 
Yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through his death to present you, me, holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Wow. You're talking about an infra-commercial. Send me two of those because you get two, you get the second one free plus shipping and handling. He says, why don't you skip the first one? I will send the second one uh, absolutely free, including shipping and handling. Now, why don't you take that one? Save your money and buy it with the grace of God. That's where you reclaim your dreams. Or you can just go on. Look back five years ago, if you've been away from the Lord five years. How much better is it than it was five years ago? Oh, preacher's worse. How about ten years ago? Go around today and talk to some folks that are here today. I talked to one out in the foyer, the man who was baptized two weeks ago. One leg, Wade helped baptize him. He was here just after the doors were open this morning in a wheelchair with his precious wife. He can't wait, couldn't wait. He counts the hours to get back. Talk to him about the change that's taken place in his life in the last 30 days. See, that's what Jesus does. But we go around playing our little religious games. Uh, we got to be in the right place, but you have a right relationship with God. And then there's another thing. You got to do what God commands you to do. You've got to understand they're not the ten suggestions, they're the ten commandments. You've got to understand that God says, now I want you to do certain things, and here's what they are. And then he explains them. This is God's will for his kids. These 66 books are for you and for me. Let me ask you a question. Those of you that are parents or those of you that will be, just visualize. You're the parent. Now you've got a child. You love that child. Oh, that child is so special. And uh, you go to that child and you say to them, now they're a teenager or uh, maybe even younger. And you say to that child, now, there's something I want you to do for me. I love you. There's something I want to do for you. I want you to do for me. And if you do it, the rewards are limitless. If you will do what I want you to do, you cannot believe the rewards I have for you. But if you don't do it, you're going to have a lot of problems. You hear the child say to you, well, what are those things that you want me to do? And you say to them, I'm not going to tell you. Get that scenario down. I've told you if you'll do certain things, I will reward you exceeding abundantly above all that you can think or ask. If you don't do them, you're going to suffer greatly. Well, what do I need to do? I'm not going to tell you. You say, boy, that's terrible. You know what the Lord said? He said, I'm going to give you a written manual. You do what I tell you to do, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to reward you. I'm not going to withhold any good thing from you. I'm telling you, do this, you're going to suffer. Do that, you're going to get blessed. Here it is. Do what I tell you. You don't even have to think. That's called faith. It's called faith. When we look at God's word, it jumps out at us. It just tells us, you know, we've got a perfect father with a perfect plan, perfect will. All power is given to him. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills they graze on. He holds the world in his hand. 
Kings bow down to him. Every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But we're his kids. We're heirs according to the promise. And he said, all you have to do is just trust me. I've done nothing for you to say, I can't trust you. And then see what God does. Young person, if you were to ask me, senior adult, if you were to ask me, how do you know God's will? There's six things real quickly. Number one, if you want to know God's will, know the word of God. The simplest, most profound one, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you know what he says about that? The Lord wants you to be saved. He said, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. Whosoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. You're in the whosoever. You say, that's a big word. I don't know what it means. It means you. Well, what about that word all? What does that mean? That means you. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God to all is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Know the word of God. Don't, don't let somebody tell you what they think. What does Gus, thus saith the Lord? What does it mean? Second thing, how you know the will of God? You got to know the witness of the Holy Spirit. How you know the witness of the Holy Spirit? If you're saved today, you've enjoyed your last sin. Have you quit sinning? No. Do you enjoy it? No. Why? Because you've been born again. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit, if it doesn't want, want whatever, he says your body's a temple of God. You bring anything into your body that the Holy Spirit rejects, and you're going to suffer because of it. There's all kinds of things that will happen. Know this. There is a witness from the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you've got to have this. He said, it's better for me to go back because you're going to need this Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit can be in all of you at the same time. You need this, so I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit so he will abide with you forever. Wow. You don't have to run around, preacher, is it wrong to do this? Mommy, is it wrong to do that? Your idolized friend, do you think it's okay if we go, hey, get alone with God and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And you know what? He'll answer you that quickly. If you can't say, Lord, I'm fixing to do this and I just want you to get into this relationship with me. I know you've warned me against it. I know it's not, I just know it does not please you. However, I know that you love me because I'm kind of special. You know, I have a way of kind of wrapping you around my finger. The Lord says, no, my child. No, I cannot go with you. That's something I cannot participate in. If God cannot participate in what we see with our eyes, what we do with our bodies, what we do with our position as a student, as a, as a retired person, as a working person, as a mom, as a dad, as a brother, a sister, as a friend, the answer is no. I'll turn away from it. Listen to John 16, 13. When he, capital H, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. And whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you all things to come. Now, Jesus is talking about the Father. He said, I do the will of the Father. I'm asking you to do what I will as I am, you are to be in this world. And it just goes right up to the top. Jesus did what the Father told him to do. We're to do what Jesus tells us to do. And all together, we will enjoy the rewards that God has promised. God has placed in all of his children the Holy Spirit. 
He is there. It comes with a deal. But there's a third thing. You have to walk in the fellowship of God. You got to be with him. If that little boy wouldn't have been there, he could not have shared his fishes. If you do not walk where God wants you to walk, you will not be able to use your life. You'll be trying to use it and sell it to the world. You will try to be something that God did not create you to be, although he gave you certain gifts that allows the world to take them and use them for themselves. But if we walk in his fellowship, there's a guy in the book of Genesis, fifth chapter, Enoch was his name. It says, Enoch walked with God, but he was not God, for God took him. We walk with God when we become believers. If we walk with God, we go where he goes, He's the leader. He tells us what to do. If we can't handle it, he said, just stand back just a minute. And he deals with it. You don't have to fight it in the flesh because we live by the Spirit of God. And then there's the wisdom of God. James 1.5. If you don't know the wisdom of God, it's hard to know the will of God. You have to know how God thinks. James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and unbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. You must have the wisdom of God. You think as God thinks. He thinks eternal thoughts. Man thinks temporary thoughts. How about today? Just today. Just this one time. I don't do it very much. Just a little bit along the way. No, that's not the wisdom of God. The Bible says if you'll ask for it, though, he'll give it to you. It comes with a deal. And then there's another thing. And that's the workers of God is the way I've written it down. You have the wisdom of God. Now the workers of God. So what do you mean by that? Proverbs eleven fourteen says, in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. And there is safety. In a multitude of counsel, there's safety. Uh, could I encourage you, if you're not the oldest person on the planet that's a Christian, to seek counsel from people that are older than you? You see, there's something about those that have walked with God a long time that's the only way that you can possibly know what's up there. I have practiced this all of my life, and that's one of the right decisions I made. Right now, one of the greatest counselors, encouragers I have is 92 years old. He's still the smartest man that I know in the things of God as how it relates to practical life, and I seek his counsel often. I believe that when you come to church, there's all ages, you have an opportunity. The reason we want you teenagers to serve in Bible school, you have some things to say to 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old that they need to hear from somebody close to their age because you've been there. You know the temptations that come in the latter, early teens and then in the latter teens and then when you go off to college and all of those things that are out there in the workplace. When you know somebody that's been a little bit ahead of you that you know they walk with God, it can encourage you along the way. And I want to beg you to find you a mentor that's been a little further down the road than you have and see what God says to you through them. And then finally, the works of God. Look at the promise of Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you shall go and I will guide you with my eye. God is in heaven. He looks down. 
He sees our steps. David said in the 116th Psalm, I walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. What's he talking about? He said, I'm going to walk in such a way that I know the all-seeing eye of God is upon me. Wherever I go, he's going to know where I am, what I'm doing. He will open doors and he will close doors. Listen to me. If you walk with God, you don't have to chase your dreams. You ever hear the phrase about a man, he's a woman chaser? Or about a woman, she's a man chaser? What are they saying? Well, you know that that's a way of putting that, you know, they're just, I'm just chasing women, I'm just chasing the guys, I'm just chasing my career, I'm just chasing my dream. But you don't have to chase it. Just stop. And the Lord will bring it to you. You don't have to open your own doors. You don't have to knock down the doors. You don't have to close the doors. God will close the doors. You don't have to open the door. God open the door. What you have to do is you have to take that position that I am going to direct, let God direct my life. I am going to literally have a quiet time every day. I'm going to pick that place, whether it's driving in a car, kneeling at a special spot, just getting where you get a cup of coffee and sit and look out a window and say, God, speak to my heart today. And whatever you want, that's what I want to do. Jesus chases nobody. Oh, there's another story in the Bible about a rich, powerful, intellectual man called a rich young ruler. There was something lacking in his life. The Lord said to him, there's one thing likes in your life. The man would not budge. He turned and he walked away. He was young. He was powerful. He was rich. He was influential. He had all the credentials to be in the who's who. You know what God, what Jesus did when that man walked away? He never moved. He stood there. He said not another word. Your choice. You make the decision, go with it. Go with it. There are some Bible scholars that think that's the same person that was the rich man, you remember, that said when he got rich, he had Bill Barnes. He said, I fool, tonight your soul is going to be required of you. When you look out and see wealthy people, successful people by the world standards, and they're living in misery, their story is, goes on and on and on on television. Why do you want to be like them? Why don't you just be like Jesus? Why don't you be who you are? Somebody told me a long time ago, it's better to be a second-class originator than a first-class imitator. Don't try to be like the other guys and other girls and other people. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, that's all I ask, is to be like him. You may be like that little boy. He had some bread, a couple of fish. You might be like David. One time he had a harp. Then he had a sling and had rocks. Remember that story? You remember Gideon? He just had a willing heart. Scared him to death when God said, it's called his name, it like to scared him to death. And then he turned back to where he said, you know, army of 300 people and we're going to take down the enemy? I don't think so. And the Lord said, oh yeah, I'm going to be with you. He saw it happen. Paul had a brilliant mind, a good education, a whole lot of courage. Everybody departed from him. And then he wrote, I fought a good fight, I finished the course, and I kept my faith. That was after his salvation. That's the man that murdered Christians. That's the man that was there when Stephen was stoned and held the coats of those that murdered that man. But he became 
the most prolific author of the New Testament. Maybe it's a compassionate spirit you have, like Ruth. You bring what you have. God will bring what he has. He'll put the two together, and it's going to be a miracle. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I'm going to give that to you. May I assure you that in your lifetime, if you live to adult, early adult, middle adult years, or late adult years, if you'll keep your eyes open, you will see the people that have the big funerals, the people that have every time in life, they seem to just make it through it, are the people that are walking with God. Just check it out. There's something about giving what you have. And by the way, the Lord didn't ask him, did he have a few shrimp to go with those fish? <laughs> did you have any tartar sauce? You know how we are. Did you have any decaffeinated coffee? Do you have any sweet and low? You know, I'm not willing to take what you have. I want you to bring me something else. You know, Jesus didn't do this. I'll just take what you have. Let me be the chef. Let me be the cook. Just give me the bread. Give me the fish. And watch happens 5,000 people. And they're going to go out there thinking, did you see who he used? Whose kid was that? He was just a little boy that was available. Most of us are just like that little boy. A lot of us are legends in our own mind. But it doesn't go beyond that very far. But God kind of laughs. He's got a sense of humor. But he says, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll use you just like you are. But you've got to do it my way. I want to challenge you to do that today as you go home. When you look at... Teenager David or Isaiah with the unclean spirit or Paul, the chief of sinners. You see that fisherman Peter denying the Lord and God saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. I take all of you. But things are going to change now. The Lord would say to you, it's not going to be your way anymore. It's going to be my way. It's your relationship with God. That's what matters. Everything else comes and goes. Wisdom only lasts for a lifetime. Salvation lasts for eternity. So as we come now to close, here's the bottom line. It's one thing to know the truth. It's another thing to abide by the truth. The truth is that none of us know what another day is going to bring. The truth is it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. The truth is God loves you because he said so. And he said, I am truth and I love you you know me, we have a relationship, then truth is in you. If you would come to that point today, just like that little boy, he had no idea how God was going to use him. But look how he has done so. In the 14th verse of our text, it said, Then those men, when they saw the miracle that Jesus did, Here's the point. They didn't see the little boy. Their eyes immediately went to Jesus. That's where I want your eyes to go to right now. As we bring this service to a conclusion, do you know who he is? Have you witnessed who he is? If you'll turn your life over to Jesus today, he will change your life immediately. He, he will 
allow you to know him for who he is. He will begin to direct your thoughts again. You haven't been willing to listen, so he hasn't been bothering you. But if you'll come back and say, Lord, I want to repent. I'm not going with the world anymore. I'm coming to you. Speak, Lord, thy servant hears. He promises you, if you will hear me, I will speak to you. If you will hear me and obey me. Would you do that today? He can make your life count. He can restore your dreams. If you're 10 years old, he can make you look forward to when you're 14. If you're 14 years old, he'll make you look forward to your 24 and right on up the line. You can honestly see firsthand and be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. When others see what Jesus has done in your life, they start looking at their life. This building today is filled with people, and some of you are sitting out here right now. This is your first time to be at Sage Mind. You know why you're here? Because somebody in your family has recently come to Jesus Christ. You can't believe what's happened in their life. You've come to find out. What's this all about? It's not the preaching. It's not the music. not the building. It's not the organization. It's Jesus. For weeks, including today, before one note is played, one, one meeting is held, one worship service is conducted, People walk inside the doors of this church wanting to have somebody tell them about the meaning of that cross out there and what does it mean to be a Christian. Today, the man's name was Tim. Wednesday night, he will be baptized in that baptistry. Two weeks ago, incredible thing happened when a man with just one leg who had nothing to do with God for all of his life came to know Jesus because the family loved him. Instead of throwing him out of the family, they brought him into the family. He was one of the first people that arrived here today, sitting out here in a wheelchair, couldn't wait for the service to begin, with a smile on his face when I went over and talked to him for a little while. He says, I'm so excited today. He said, what are you going to talk about today? When he got his Bible last week and we handed it to him, he said, I used to read this book, but I didn't know what it meant, so I just threw it away. He said, now I know the one that wrote it. And he said, thank you for giving me a new one. He said, I've started all over again. See, folks, that's Holy Spirit. That's Holy Spirit. God wants to use you to experience some things that you can't explain. So how you live is going to affect the way other people live and also where they spend eternity. There's a lot of folks that admire you. They want to be like you. But if you knew, if they knew you like you know you and like God knows you, you would say to them, don't be like me. What you see is not really who I am. What you need is Jesus. So we want you to come to Jesus today. Father, I pray you'll bless this time now as we close the service. This is a moment of decision. There's no person here that stands on a higher step than someone else. We're all created in your likeness and the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some have received their gift and some have rejected it. May now as we close, may people come to Christ and slip back to that very special lobby that we call our Connection Center and pray there, as many have done this morning already, to invite Jesus to come in invite you, Lord, to take over. So wherever you lead, we promise to go. 
We want to follow you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.